Brian here. Wanted to take a moment before today's episode to let everyone out there know about a GoFundMe campaign for Jonathan Rinsler. Jonathan was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer last August, and his family could use our support. In our Star Wars community, you'd recognize him as J.W. Rinsler. He's an author, and he brought us the making of books, the Sounds of Star Wars book, the Blueprints book, and many other Star Wars and uh, film-related books. Jonathan has brought a lot to our community, and if you'd like to help his family, have a look at their GoFundMe campaign. I'll have a link to that campaign in my Instagram bio. Thank you, and may the Force be with you. Hello there, this is Cassia. And this is Brian. Welcome to The Ebon Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Spoiler alert for Knights of the Old Republic series and the Star Wars films, TV shows, and all other media. This is where the fun begins. All right, just before we dive into this epic episode, the conclusion of our two-parter with 100% Star Wars, we just wanted to thank our newest patron, Christina McChrystal, for joining at the level of Jedi Sentinel. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, You know, our support we get from our patrons, you know, allow us to do a lot of really awesome stuff, including our lo-fi and some of the artwork we've been uh, commissioning and getting out for the world. So yeah, thank you very much. We definitely appreciate your support. Yeah. And if you want to find us on Patreon, the easiest way is to go to our Instagram page at Ebonhawk Podcast and hit the link in our bio. And it is a a milkshake app, not Linktree, so it's it's just an app called Milkshake. It's just a link in the bio. You can tap that, and when you do that, you can find our Patreon, our merch, our YouTube, and where you can listen to our podcast. So um, anyways, that's the link in the bio. So thank you again to our newest patron and to all current patrons. Uh, it really helps us get a lot of really cool old republic projects going so thank you and now on to our current episode all right so we've we've talked a little bit about malik a little bit about you know star wars and knights of the old republic uh you know kind of kind of all topics but uh now we want to talk a little bit about the leviathan so in knights of the old republic the leviathan it's the ship and it's going to capture us in their tractor beam after the way we've been uh, talking about a films so we're leaving manan and uh, Leviathan's going to be next. Uh, Leviathan is captained by uh, Saul Carith, who Karth knows and recognizes the ship right away once it gets into the tractor beam. Um, and then we get on board. Uh, a couple of us get captured. You know, some players are left there to do sort of a prison break for the rest of the crew. And uh, we have a confrontation and the big reveal in Knights of the Old Republic. So uh, I guess... To get started into the Leviathan, uh, if you were going to see Leviathan on screen, how do you think that that would look? How do you think getting on board this thing's uh, going to go? It's, it's a hard thing to sort of think about off the top of my head because I, I don't often think about the KOTOR movie. I try to block it from my mind. Um, <laughs> I, I I know how I know how I would do the like the actual prison break. If there is one thing mm-hmm. I do know 
how I would do that. And I would change it a little bit so that... Um, so instead of... So in my mind, in the prison break, it's HK-47 that gets out of the prison. Um, okay. Or T3M4. So it's one of it's one of those. In my opinion, should be HK-47. It's just more entertaining, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I would have it similar... So in, I would have Darth Malak be on the ship instead of actually... Uh, you know, coming later, mm-hmm. and I would have a kind of uh, a, a kind of horror-y atmosphere where this droid is trying to evade Darth Malak rather than just troopers. Because you've seen what, like, we've seen so many times these little escapades where they get onto an enemy ship and they're just trying to, you know, hide from the stormtroopers, and it's been done before. If I was to do like a proper prison break, I would I would have it so, you know, the the true antagonist is the one that's the threat in that scene, and I would have hate because I I, I would imagine that Darth Malak couldn't sense HK forty seven using the Force because he's a droid, uh, he's not a life mm. form, so I think you could have a really interesting little kind of cat and mouse between HK trying to evade, uh, you know the the original meatbag. Um, and get to get to releasing them. Uh, as as for the actual ship, I personally wouldn't change it at all. Um, I'd keep the exact same design, much like they did with the the Hammerhead cruisers in the movies, uh, like Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I'd keep the exact same interdictor with the like the little hook uh, nose. I would keep that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, when you're uh, playing the game, you get to choose you know, one character that you take out to do kind of the prison break. Uh, do you take one of the droids with you when you're playing the game, Luke? Or do you, yeah, do you, I, uh... I always choose HK-47. And if I'm really struggling, I'll just take one of the Jedi so I can do it easily. But I think HK, I think it makes the most sense. Like anyone getting out of those cells is going to be a droid that can manipulate the cell, right? I, I don't think Juhani's mm-hmm. breaking out because they're designed to to not allow force users out right so mm-hmm. i think having even t3 would be like an interesting little cat and mouse you know with malik walking around and this little droid is trying not to get crushed by the dark lord um, yeah. but i think i think hk thematically would be very interesting because obviously hk 47 and malik have had history there's a lot of story there that can be delved into meatbag yeah, yeah. the the original meatbag um so i would always I'd always go with HK, my boy. Yeah. What about you, Cassia? How does the, you know, the section on the Leviathan get started, and who do you think needs to go and break the main crew out of their uh, prison cells? So I think Revan and Bastil are gonna be dealing with like relationship issue fallout, so they're not gonna be mm-hmm. able to sense like, oh hey, I think there's like a huge Sith cruiser coming towards us, you know. They're not going to be at the top of their game. And uh, Jolie, I think, is kind of like, already knows who Revan is. And, like, he's an old guy. He's just kind of there to figure out the will of the Force and everything. So I think, like, it does make sense for them to be captured because they're going to all the old stops, you know? And I think you're going to think they're able to get to the last planet, but then, you know, of course that doesn't happen. Um, a visual I think would be cool. Cause like, it, it's like 
the Leviathan and the Sith cruisers kind of look like a big mouth. Yeah. Like, if you can just, like, mm-hmm. maybe, like, make it look like a, a whale is just kind of getting the Ebon Hawk or something, and, like... That would be cool. If the... Oh, yeah. If, like, the tractor beam is, like, kind of, like, in its beak, I guess, mm-hmm. that would be a cool visual, and they're just covered in, like... You can see the viewports get, like, covered... Like the Ebonhawks viewports just get covered by like machine and everything, and like it just they lose all the light they can see. Like it just would make it more eerie. You know the um about your point there. You know the uh, is it in? I haven't watched the originals in uh, it feels like years. It's either the first one or the second one where you see the um the Star Destroyer come over and it like completely covers the screen. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? And then it shows yeah. the the hangar underneath. I imagine that kind of like with your point there about how that like the mouth or the beak would take in the hawk. I imagine that same kind of scene with the with the Leviathan literally covering covering the whole screen to kind of get a sense of that scale and that kind of um, intimidation. I think that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, and then I think everyone on board gets captured, but in my mind. Candrus left the group on Tatooine, like, at the beginning. Like, we kind of go through, like, in in movie, in our hypothesized, you know, adaptation, <laughs> you know, that doesn't exist, but we're just kind of, like, going through it because we haven't, we have fun. But, like, it goes, Endar Spire, Terrace, Dantooine, Kashyyyk, that's one movie. And then the second one goes Tatooine, Manon, Leviathan. In our movie, we can't really f- find a reason for Candorus to be there. So then he deals with Jaggy and has to deal with stuff off screen. Mm-hmm. But then I think he would kind of come around and be like, these are my new clan, you know? And yeah. uh, in my mind, this is when Juhani would join the crew because it just kind of doesn't make sense for like her to come along. Oh, so you think until, she would join like, like later in the story? Yeah, so like Dantooine is getting bombarded. So yeah. she's escaping and she knows that like Bastel and Revan where they are, so she's like, I'm going to save them. They saved me. I just didn't really see like the purpose of Juhani joining uh in the first movie because I think the Ebon Hawk would just be too crowded, it'd be too many people. So then Juhani the would yeah. would replace mm-hmm. Bastila because then she would have time to be her own character rather than be like, I'm just going to chill on the hawk, you know, and just sit around. You know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so then it's like, um, it's not like a prison breakout. Like they're coming into the ship as well. And it's like a Jedi and a Mandalorian working together. So it's like, they're kind of overcoming like the Mandalorian wars, you know, even though like mm-hmm. Juhani wasn't in the Mandalorian wars. Like, I just think, that would be more interesting uh, for me personally. And yeah, that's that's how I see it. That is really cool. I've never thought about it that way. That's, that's a nice perspective. Yeah, that's kind of how I envision it too. They kind of put out some sort of a distress call to Candrus and Juhani and they uh, get on board to help with everyone. Now, when you play the game, Cassia, who do you take as your uh, solo uh, prison break uh, hero or heroine? I think I've done everyone. I think my favorite one was Jolie. Okay. Uh, 
because he's just an old man and like they just like underestimate him and he gets out i think doing it with mission was cool too um and hk is a good one too mission makes a lot of sense too because like her whole purpose was like she's the the little scoundrel you know that gets through the gets through places that can't that other people can't that's kind of established mm-hmm. on Taris. So mm-hmm. I think it would kind of make sense if, if Mission was the one that, that broke through that that shield and managed to escape. Yeah. Yeah. And so once we get on board and they're doing the the breakout, uh, Luke, you mentioned that you think it's kind of more of like a horror kind of vibe. And that's kind of how I think of it too, is like the movie like Alien. Yeah, it's kind of Alien was the exact ad- film that I had in my head. <laughs> yeah, because it's because if, if you're when you play the game, like the Leviathan, it's kind of a, it's a pretty like sterile environment. And then there's just some pockets of uh, enemies you have to deal with, but yeah, kind of this, kind of this cat and mouse kind of a thing through this, you know, kind of atmospheric sort of, you know, it's this huge ship and, you know, maybe there's really only like two people on board. If you have Malik and Saul, you know, on this Mm -hmm. gigantic cruiser. So I think something interesting you could do is you could, instead of having Malik in that position, maybe have Darth Bandon in that position instead of having mm-hmm. him just, you know, rock up like Kalonord does and then die. You could give Darth Bandon a little bit more time, a little bit. That cat and mouse between HK-47 and Bandon, I think, might be a little bit more fair-favoured for HK-47 than Darth Malak. So maybe maybe Bandon could be in that place of that horror vibe. I, I don't know. Just a, Just a thought. For sure. Uh, what about you, Cassia? Do you have kind of a, a reference of the tone or what you think that this kind of section would, would look like or some sort of feeling it would have? Or Alien is a, is a good reference. Like, when I say psychological horror, like, that seems a whole lot more intense than what I mean. But kind of just, like, you want to feel ill at ease. Like, even when you're mm-hmm. kind of, like, things are kind of like starting to turn around and like they're being broken out and they're escaping. It's like something isn't quite right. And I think that's where Malik would come in and like the reveal would happen and you'd be like, Oh, okay. Now it's all kind of, um, making sense. But I, I, alien is, is the best reference I, I can think of in this moment. Alien was definitely what I was, was going for and, and and I'd have like in the in the game the ship is quite bright isn't it it's quite metallic and mm-hmm. I'd have it dark and eerie kind of how like Nihilus' ship is in the second game where mm-hmm. it's just very very sithy you know it's it, it it definitely has that kind of it, it feels like dread I I would yeah. have yeah. That, especially the Viathan being like this flagship of Darth Malak you know I wouldn't have it being this beautiful vibrant metallic ship that's full of light i would have this very dingy sort of uh dreading atmosphere on on his ship yeah dark and metallic mm-hmm. and imposing lots of red lights and yeah yeah Well, and then kind of the last piece of the Leviathan, 
uh, section. So you'll have kind of a confrontation between Karth and Saul, uh, who you know knew each other from a previous relationship, and then you also have the big reveal. Uh, Luke, do you have any sort of ideas what an interpretation of the reveal could look like if it was if it was going to show up on screen or yeah, on a on a episode of a of a good uh, Knights of the Old Republic TV show or uh, what what do you think that that would that would look like um, you know on, on your uh, TV screen? Uh, the problem is the reveal. The reveal in Knights of the Old Republic is quite deep. Like, there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot going on. It's not just like, oh, you're Darth Revan, and then, bang, they start fighting. There's a lot of discussion and arguing with Bastila and then going back to to Malak. And I think it would be difficult to mm-hmm. be able to really uh, capture that depth of moment in the way that the game does. Um, you know, because obviously you're talking to Malak and you're like, I'm not Darth Revan, blah, blah, blah. And then Bastila gets involved and she's like, maybe I told the little lie. Um, and then you start having an argument with Bastler about how you feel betrayed, and I think I think it would be really difficult to capture um, in a movie. I think you should take away Karth and keep that moment intimate uh, intimate between Bastler, Revan, and Malak. I don't see the mm-hmm. need for Karth to be there. He's already had that part with Saul Karth. You know, I think I think this moment needs that that intimacy between those three characters. Um, I think more of it should be about action. Again, like I said, it's really difficult to be able to put that amount of dialogue into a big shocking reveal. So I think kind of how, you know, how Darth Vader's was with Luke uh, in Empire Mm -hmm. Strikes Back, that kind of where the discussion is more done through battle and maybe Malak is kind of teasing him um, and making Revan look like he is uh, lesser. Um, obviously, I think very important is the part where Bastler comes in and saves him. And um, I think there you can have a really intimate moment between Bastler and Revan that strengthens their bond. And then as you go into the the ending, there's more of a connection between the two. But I, I think it would be difficult. I think the reveal being as important it is, as important as it is, I, mm-hmm. I think it would be a very difficult thing to get right. But I think, yeah, looking at Empire Strikes Back, I, I think that a kind of um, a similar approach to Empire would be the best way. Yeah. yeah, I'm kind of on that on that same side there. What about you, Cassia? Do you have any any kind of specifics or just general themes or general sort of, uh, I guess, blocking kind of for how this might play out? Luke brings up some good points. I think I lean more towards... Um, Saul being dealt with first because then Karth can kind of like have it put together for him. And I think when that happens, he would just kind of like be like, I'm not talking to either of you and just be very closed off. He doesn't want to um, talk about well, it. Which is really, you know, <laughs> a reversal from like, you know, the whole the whole game. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, I think that's how you would be able to kind of keep the scene focused on Malik, Bastila and Revan. And in the game, you have flashbacks Mm. that, like, it really hammers at home. And I'm kind of, like, leaning towards not having the flashbacks. I would say, like, if the movies have done their job, you know, like, 
you buy the moment when it happens and it makes sense. And in my mind, I would start the third film with Bastila's Jedi Strike team finding Revan in the first place. So it's a bit of a flashback there. And then you kind of see the moment happen when she saves him. And then you kind of see like the lead up to the beginning of Knights of the Old Republic 1. So in my mind, like I would save the flashbacks for then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like Empire did it simply. But I mean, if if the dialogue like kind of just like is smart, like you kind of just have the breadcrumbs throughout. So you don't need to have like the the flashbacks uh, where like you literally see Revan take off his mask. But I'm not opposed to it. But I'm just thinking like if you if you do your job well, like you can just have dialogue and focus on the moment happening in front of you. And mm-hmm. in in my mind, like, Bastila saves the rest of the crew. I think she thinks she's going to die, but she's not in a good headspace because, like, looking at the story of movie two or at adaptation to volume two, you know, whatever it is. But um, her yep. father died. She's been keeping secrets from, like, an ex-Sith Lord that she's fallen in love with. The Jedi Council is, like, kind of a bad parent, and she's been trying to grow and stuff. So she's not in a mentally good headspace. So She's easily manipulable at this point in the yeah, story. Yeah, very malleable. Yeah. And I think, like, she's going to try to use battle meditation, try to win the fight. And like you were kind of saying uh, earlier, like, Jedi don't really know how to, like experience and control their emotions they're just taught to suppress them so when they are there like sometimes they go overboard and in my mind like Bastila would like not realize she's kind of tapping into the dark side and uh in my mind like maybe the Jedi that did survive tried to send a Jedi strike team to get her but because she's using the dark side her battle meditation ends up killing them so then she feels guilty and then she's like kind of Malik's able to be like look at what they've done to you and uh I actually think that's really a really interesting way yeah. of because I've always thought the way that you know Malik tortures her and then she's just like oh okay I'm the, I'm this really sort of evil seductive yeah. you know uh, hateful woman when like that that wasn't Bastler at all and it was a very quick, mm-hmm. quick kind of change. I actually yeah. think the idea of like a Jedi strike team trying to get her, and then she sees like her, it could be like her old friends or something. Like he, she sees them dying due to Malak's sheer power, and then she starts yeah. to feel guilt that her friends have died to try, like died to try and save her, and that's where she becomes even more sort of open to that manipulation. I think that's actually yeah. a very interesting, interesting Yeah, because in Knights of the Old Republic, the use of torture in that game, uh, they mention it in Alex Kane's book like about the creation of Knights of the Old Republic. It's called Knights of the Old Republic. It's a boss fights book. They talk about how the use of torture in that game was like kind of talking about um, torture in the Iraq War. 
and stuff. So it's kind of a mm. commentary on that. And I was like, maybe it's not the most effective commentary and like, but that's where that comes from. So I just try to like have, I try to think things through like uh, beat for beat and like character motivation and stuff. But that's, that's what I came up with. I also think your point about how, how the second one would end with, you know, it's starting with the memories and it sort of starts with the, the strike team with with Revan and Bastila and then it goes straight back. I, I also think that's a very good uh, a very good thought. No, yeah, that's that's a lot of good stuff there. Um for me, kinda the way I see the reveal, it's it's pretty similar to the way Cassie does, but I actually have um so Karth is dealing with Saul and you have kind of the the rescue team you know hk and uh, jolie and juhani you know whoever's whoever's there kind of doing the rescue i think you have like kind of a, a three-front battle like uh, we have to have in these star wars films right so you have a couple of different confrontations going um but you know then obviously the one you know kind of front and center of all of this is malik and revan and bastila uh, but as that fight's kind of coming to an end uh, Karth's coming in. He's, you know, he's finished off Saul. He's coming in. And I think you have like Jolie also coming in. So they're there to witness the reveal. Um, you know, so Karth is feeling, uh, very betrayed by, you know, Bastila, him bringing you know, the Sith Lord Revan, you know, into the end of the party and, you know, lying to them this whole time. You have Jolie there who likely knew that this was the case the whole time um, and can kind of be, you know, the a point of verification for it. But I actually think that it leaves Revan and Bastila on a pretty broken note. Um, I don't think they have a chance to kind of rectify any of what happened, you know, as yeah, everyone else has to kind of flee as Bastila gets uh, swept off by Malik there. Yeah. I, I think... While I, I think your points make a lot of sense, I think having other people there to witness it takes away from the intimacy of it. That's why, personally, I don't like Karth being there. I, I don't like that he's in the vicinity when it happens. I, I, I would... Pref- myself, I, I think that intimacy between those three, that dynamic between the three... I think if you just had every, it's like imagine if you're watching Empire Strikes Back, and you know Luke's on the edge with Vader and Leia and Han and Chewie are just standing on the on the other balcony just watching. I think it would take away from that that intimate moment between the two, like it's shared between those two, and having having other people be involved. I don't know. I, I don't think it would. I don't think it would have the same impact. Yeah, Personally. I guess I'm okay with having Karth there because, like, the trio of KOTOR is uh, Revan, Bastila, and Karth. Like, but I wouldn't want him, like, talking and, like, Karth, that's his time to, you know, like, he doesn't want to talk about <laughs> yeah. it, you know? Like, it's like, sit in your corner, you don't want to talk about it, you know? But, yeah, that's that's how I see it. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think just just having kind of the other eyes on it really uh, it just creates a more a sort of dynamic tension between the group because uh, obviously they have the loss of Bastila that they're dealing with at this moment but then kind of this realization that everyone's coming to and having to deal with on their own uh, in their own kind of heads I I just I think that that's kind of interesting and that's where I see it but I, I do uh, agree with the point that it, it's nice to you know have it just be the three of them um, but 
Yeah. Yeah. I see where you're coming from. I see what you mean. I think, like, kind of ending it on a note where, like, I don't want it to be ambiguous that, like, Bastel is falling to the dark side. Like, because, like, for me, it's not compelling to see her be tortured for, like, half of the third movie and be like, I wonder what's going to happen. Is she going to turn to the dark side? And then it's like, oh, she turned to the dark side. Like, in my mind, like, the end of movie two she's turned to the dark side maybe you could even throw in some yellow sith eyes like i don't know <laughs> i think that'd be fun to see uh in kotor but um because i think it just makes for like an, a more interesting build-up for movie three um and, but then like just have like i think like once revan kind of realizes like bastila was kind of like shady and keeping like his identity a secret i think that kind of breaks the bond and he's kind of just feeling adrift and like learning who he is and then like the Ebon Hawk crew kind of learns about it and it's kind of confirmed in a way I can't really think of a good ending shot like mm-hmm. what do you guys have any ideas I'm, I'm trying to come back to me in a minute I'm trying to think <laughs> yes um yeah so I think kind of the the end for me everyone's you know back on the the ebb and hawk and everyone's kind of stewing in their own emotions about you know what's just just kind of happen um and then they make the mention that you know you're never gonna we're never gonna find malik unless we figure out where you know the starforge is because that's that's where he's taking her so we need to figure out where that is um so they kind of make the decision to go but i think um that like the last shot is just a, a real ambiguous shot of um, our Revan's uh, kind of face and you just you don't really know what he's thinking or which way he's leaning or if it's about to go uh, real bad for everyone or if he's going to be able to kind of maintain uh, his composure through this and uh, stay a stay a good uh, light side Jedi affiliated Revan I my I think I think my last shot would be Bastila so I would imagine that the shot would be kind of like a panning shot showing Lehon with all the crashed starships. And mm. as it's panning, it turns to the, the temple and she's at the top of the temple just looking. And I I can imagine the camera sort of zooming on Bastila and then Darth Malak just walking behind her and then cuts to black. <laughs> okay. Yellow I like that. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe the ignition of a red lightsaber or something like just a bit of drama to make you go, oh, you know, damn, um, like this is what's this is what's happened to our girl. I think. I, uh, yeah, I do like that scene. Part of me wonders if like Revan finds the mask in like Bastila's like locker, you know, <laughs> a la a philosopher's stone. No, just kidding. But um, uh, yeah, hopefully that makes sense. But like. She's only been out of the party for like a minute. And he's already going through her stuff. Come yeah, on. Yeah, she's dead. <laughs> flags. No. But she finds he find somehow maybe he could like find like the old mask and it's like I don't know. Maybe that's a little bit too much, but like I think that would actually be interesting though because like you were talking about the dynamic of I think Brian was talking about how like is he gonna go down the path of a light or a dark. And you can have that last shot mm-hmm. being him finding the mask and it's sort of zooming on the mask. And like it gives you that like ambiguous ending of like what is 
what is he going to choose because he's found that that sort of connection to his sith past sith identity and it leaves it yeah. on the on the edge of like what's what's he going to what's he, obviously he's going to choose a light side at star wars it always ends happy um yeah. but it, it kind of gives that ambiguity to the ending you get the drama, mm, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just like saying drama, drama, but you know, like ha- his face could be half light, half dark. Yeah, kind of like, like Kylo's was in the uh, mm-hmm. Force Awakens. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I toyed around a little bit when we were kind of going through the the films. Cassie and I talking about how he gets his uh, lightsaber hilt at um, back on Dantooine, but it's kind of in ill repair so throughout these films he's uh, you know kind of doing some repair work on it and this is finally the first time that it ignites is at the end of the second uh film so like the first time it's ignited throughout the whole movie yeah of his that revan hilt you know with the the kind of trident looking thing on top of it i see what you mean so like he's going to use like a generic one throughout the the movie and then he finally has his his lightsaber mm-hmm. yeah, i see what you mean yeah yeah I kind of wonder if someone would be able to like fight with that, though. Like, I actually have it's... one, and it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is not very comfortable no, to hold. It isn't. That's it true. It is really um, like you can't like you can hold it if you held it with two hands and you did like the old original trilogy fighting, then maybe. But like the prequel fighting, where there's spins and the splits, like not happening. You couldn't do it so. with that, no. But it's it's a beautiful lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I kind of wish that um, the design for the purple one was used for the red one, though, because it looks more Starforge-y. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. mind, it's kind of more like the Starforge is more aligned with the dark side. And I, I just think that Revan's Sith saber is, like, so ergonomically designed. Um, if you look at, like, Qui-Gon's, it's kind of, like, on that level. I, but, I I agree with you. I I think the the Trident Star Forgey one should be his his Sith saber, and that yeah. the other one where it's quite plain that should be his uh, his Jedi one. I mean, I, yeah, I I don't like that one. I think it's very simplistic. Um, that's why I adore the the the, the Star Forge one because it is very thematic. Like it's so it ties into his story and and what he's doing, uh, but. I, d- I definitely should be connected to his dark side ego rather than his good side because it just doesn't really make sense him having that weapon that's so Star Wars reminiscent while he's destroying. Well, I guess that could be thematic. You know, he has a lightsaber built by the Star I Forge. Destroy maybe, the Star but, Forge yeah, maybe with a smaller mm-hmm. Star Forge. <laughs> you know, but in my mind, like purple is his his lightsaber color, but that he would forge on Dantooine and it's like, oh, history is repeating itself, you know? Mm. But in my mind, like, on Dantooine, he would, like, the lightsaber he creates, it's, like, half in between, like, what his Sith saber looked like and his Jedi saber. So then it's like, oh, this could go either direction. Great. Yeah, I agree with you. Lightsabers. Yeah, that's it. That gets the crew off of the Leviathan and, you know, on to the next destination so uh was there anything about the leviathan that uh, anyone else wanted to talk about anything we missed or anything that's really important that people need to know about this uh location in the game or in a film leviathan means creature of the deep uh so i guess the the whale or kind of like being swallowed into the belly of the well i guess that's a cambellian 
conceit, you know, in the hero's journey, and which is where you experience like a death and mm-hmm. revelation. Yep. So I mm-hmm. guess that was intentional on their part when they were writing that. So the thing is, you probably yeah. say you, you, you figure that out, and and you can see that kind of theme. But if you actually ask the writers, they're probably just like. Uh, it, Leviathan cool. sounded cool, you know. Sounded sounded it's like, cool. It's like yeah. Revan, for example. You, the name Revan can mean so many different things. You know, it can mean revenge. It can mean um, uh, revengeist movement. It can mean um, somebody who takes territory in war. Like it has so many meanings. But if you actually like talk to the guy that made Revan, he was just like, it was a D and D character that I I added into the game. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. It's kind of mad how we can pick through it and go, oh, did the writers mean this? Did the writers mean this? it's like being back at school, you know? And um, yeah. it turns out no, they just they just thought Leviathan was just sounded intimidating. Yeah. So, you know, on that note, maybe what we talked about was just you know pure nonsense, but maybe the listeners like will find you know some gems. Yes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Let us all know if you found uh, any sort of secret links we didn't put together uh, in our conversation today, for sure. That's the beauty yeah. of individual perspective. Everybody sees things in their own unique way. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I think that's going to kind of wrap it up for us here. Luke, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time out to come on the podcast and talk all things, you know, Knights of the Old Republic and Star Wars with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I love talking about Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. It's my passion, so talking about it with other passionate people is a dream come true. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And if people want to uh, check out what you have going on on the YouTube channel and on Instagram and uh, any any of that stuff, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Um, you can find me um, at 100% Star Wars on YouTube. You can find me at 100 per Star Wars on Twitter. The um, the internet and social media doesn't like the percent sign in anything, so it's really difficult to get around. Um, Instagram is 100 per Star Wars. Uh, just type 100% Star Wars. You'll, you'll find me on, on almost every social media platform. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us, and we'll talk to everyone next time. And you can find us on Instagram at Ebonhawk Podcast. And if you want to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Astro underscore Droid underscore. On Patreon, the link is in our Instagram bio, or you can find it at www.patreon.com slash Ebonhawk Podcast. The Ebonhawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. Subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shoreman at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker at christianwalkermusic.com. This episode of the Evan Hawk podcast has been brought to you by Nikki Dog from Patreon. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now. <laughs>